Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is Joe McCall, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Got a cool show for you. I'm excited about this. And Jesse, Jesse Mills is our guest, and he's going to be on here in just a minute. Just a few little housekeeping things. I want to let you know if you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, you can get our Fast Cash Survival Kit. We've talked about that a lot before, and you know what's in there. But it's a uh, it's a great little kit to get if you have questions about how Alex and I do our wholesaling, how we um, find higher all of our virtual assistants and how we train them. And uh, it's really cool. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Second thing is I'm looking right here online for our reviews. We've been getting a lot of good reviews on iTunes, and we appreciate that. And um, just wanted to read a few for you here. Uh, this is from Podcast Consumer, best place for new and immediate investors. They have great content. No need to go and get some expensive course and coaching when New and even a little bit of experience. Uh, I'm always picking up new ideas. Good. And this is from Jay Valcourt. Superb. Hey, guys, the information you share in your podcast is the best around. No doubt about it. One question that I've been asking myself for a while now, in the case of a lease or purchase, in the case of a lease to purchase or lease option, what protection does the buyer have in the event the seller goes bankrupt and loses the house? Thanks in advance and keep up the good work. I think we can talk about that today, Jesse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, cool. One more review. Jules underscore 74 essential. This is essential listening to the serious real estate investor who wants to think outside the box. Appreciate that. Um, so again, guys, please leave a review. We'd appreciate it. There is a place, um, one of our recent podcasts where we gave away a bunch of books and videos and stuff like that for people who leave reviews. So if you go back a few episodes, you'll see that in there. And I, I wish I could remember to tell you which one it was, but it was called leave a review, get cool, free stuff. <laughs> a real original. It was uh, released October 1st, 2014. So if you go back and look at that, it's a four minute video. And we talk about how, if you leave a review on iTunes, you'll get a lot of really cool, free stuff. Um, all right. So let's get started here. This is Jesse. Jesse, I've known you for a few years and um, you've been Doing deals in Minneapolis, doing all kinds of different deals. Lately, you've been do- focusing on lease options, but you're also doing some other stuff, and you're also a mortgage broker. Correct. Um, so you've been you've been busy. You keep yourself busy. Yeah, yeah, too busy, too busy. Trying to uh, get a little bit more streamlined and kind of where you're at, and you know, to the point where I can I can run multiple businesses as I have been, but you know, not do it in. 60 to 80 hours a week and cut that down. And we made a lot of really good strides this year with that, which is awesome. So, well, good. So one of the things I I wanted to talk about specifically are lease options. It's always been one of my favorite strategies. Um, There's certain times in the market where I've done more lease options than others, but it's a great strategy for people to get started in real estate. I love it because you can control property without owning it. And a lot of times you can't buy a property with cash because there's not enough equity. Or if there is any equity, the seller's just not willing to share any of it with you. So maybe they're not, maybe they're not extremely motivated. Now, lease options is a strategy that you could offer, especially good for nicer homes and nicer neighborhoods, median price and above. Would you agree with that, Jesse? Yes. Yep. So it works, it works better with nicer homes. Mm-hmm. What do you do with those deals? Do you just throw those leads away, or could you maybe ask the seller, "Look, I can't get you the price that you want today, but if you'd be willing to rent it for a couple of years and then sell it, would that work for you?" And so it's a great way to just to ask people, "Look, I'm looking for an investment property that I can lease for a couple of years and then buy." And a lot of people are open to that because they don't want to be a landlord; they don't like the traditional landlord headaches. And lease options allows them a way to get the price they want, get a good tenant in there who's going to take care of the property, and hold on to a tip a normal rental property with a con someone who has wants to buy it without all the typical landlord headaches. So I guess that's a 
short, brief description of <laughs> lease options and maybe mm-hmm. some of the benefits. But uh, Jesse, let me ask you something about. Uh, let me ask you a few things about your business. Um, you've been at, you're in Minneapolis, right? Correct. Yep. How long have you been doing real estate and mortgage stuff? I've been in the mortgage business for about twelve years, and I've been in the real estate business for about three, three or four years now. Okay. I was a licensed agent at one point for a couple of years, kind of right when I got, um, you know, shifted from kind of doing like a consumer banking company. Uh, you know, a lot of the subprime stuff when that was still around, kind of how I got into the business, you know, didn't really know any better. And, um, then moved to a, you know, a broker position and got my real estate license, did that for a while. And then realized it was just better to focus on the lending because I just wanted to be more of an investor. You know, I didn't want to go show 30 townhouses to a couple, you know, in, in a month and then, you know, do that kind of real estate. I'd rather get into the investing side. So, and I started doing that about three, four years ago. So you started, what, what kind of investing did you get started doing three to four years ago? Uh, I bought a fourplex. It was my first property. Okay. And then uh, I bought a handful of single families, a couple townhouses since then. And really, you know, heard your course, I want to say around 2012. So a couple of years ago, maybe even end of 2011. And, you know, I was so busy kind of with the mortgage business. And I was, you know, I'm like, hey, when this fits, I'm going to try this out. You know, I'm going to see how this works. And, um, you know, I obviously have a little bit of an advantage knowing kind of how, you know, the rules work and financing and why someone qualifies and why they don't and why they shouldn't and why they should. And so I said, Hey, you know, this is, this seems really cool. And, you know, like most investors, right. I mean, I want to have a portfolio of properties. That's my nice monthly cash flow, and then do other fun projects on the side for, you know, that short term money that quick money, but you know, everybody wants passive. And so I said, Hey, maybe I can start doing some of these lease options to get more properties to kind of help my goal of what I want. And uh, year one was really just playing around with it. And then year two was, um, okay, this is working and they're coming to fruition and these are happening. And uh, then we totally ramped it up last year and said, okay, I can make as much money in my mortgage business or more doing this. And, you know, obviously you, you, you've got it figured out pretty darn good with the work-life balance or so it seems. And, you know, that's, that's where, you know, my, my goals and ventures are. Just to get that more fair. You know, you really start figuring out even yeah. once the money starts coming, you start figuring out time is the most precious commodity there is. Yeah, for sure. We'll talk a little bit, Jesse, about why lease options. Why, what attracted you to that strategy? Well, again, for, for myself, I mean, I'm running into some of those people. So, you know, if you're in the mortgage business, you get paid to get loans done, right? And if you're a realtor, you get paid to sell houses. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, you don't get paid, period. So not only are you not getting paid, you're not helping your client and you want to help all the people you can help, you know, and get the best reputation you can. And, you know, it, it's nice that it, it flows well. You're helping more people, you're making more money. And so I said, gosh, how can we get some of these people that I know, you know, in my heart of hearts, they should qualify. And, you know, four or five years ago before the mess, before the meltdown, they would have been in a house, no problem. But now because of the stringent rules and guidelines, you know, they're stuck having to rent for a few years, uh, you know, and it can be, you know, three, four, five years plus, depending on the type of financing you want to get. So I said, hey, maybe if I can put someone in the house on so my very first lease option, I bought the property myself, um, me and my, my partner, and we bought it and we bought it. It was a bank owned property, needed a, a bunch of work, um, but we went and found the buyers first. So we said, what do you want? Where are you looking for? And we knew we were going to get a rental property or another property, but we knew we were going to do a lease option with it. And um, it worked out really cool. Now, they, they didn't buy on time. They extended twice. But again, I was the owner, right? I didn't do like a hard money loan where I had to pay someone back and otherwise I was in trouble. <laughs> it was my money. So they paid the extension fees and we made a really good cash flow on it every month. And it truly was, we did nothing. You know, I checked in every couple times a year. I'm like, holy cow, so we have this fourplex that I'm getting calls on, you know, monthly or every other month, you know, it kind of rains and pours. Sometimes it's nothing and sometimes you get all these calls. And then it's like, we have no calls on this lease option, hmm. nothing. And then they were really updating the house because it needed work. And so they said, hey, you know, we really want to kind of redo the bathroom. Can we do that? 
And I knew the guy was handy. I mean, way handier than I am. So I said, hey, you know what you're doing. I know your background. You know, just kind of tell us how you're doing and what you're doing. But yeah, absolutely. Send us some pictures here and there. And they go to the kitchen, redo the kitchen. And then the deck was was pretty bad. They had to tear down the deck. And they put a new deck on. And they did this all over the course of about two and a half years. So it's like, hey, if they're not going to buy, thank you for just throwing 30, 40 grand into my house. Oh, yeah. If they aren't going to buy, you know, they got some sweet equity that they wouldn't have had. So it worked out really, really cool for them. I mean, we hugged at the closing table and it, it was a very cool deal. And you priced it reasonably too, right? I mean, you didn't price that house that was maybe worth 150 today. You didn't try to sell it on a lease option for 200 or something ridiculous, right? Yeah, no, no. No, and that's a big thing too. I mean, we look at values and everything. Well, how are you pulling these numbers? You know, when you know, are you pulling them out of the sky? Absolutely not. So we looked at, you know, the comps around at that time. We look at, you know, you get some real estate data and you can get a lot of data these days. You don't have to be an agent to do it. And certainly if you have an agent on your team or a friend or somebody knows someone, who, you know, who doesn't have a friend who knows an agent these days, you can get that info from them. But you can look at what the forecasts are doing. Now, it's a forecast, right? It's, you know, no one has a crystal ball, but you can say, here's what it's done the last year and the last two years. And here's what it should do. And oh, by the way, you're going to fix it up. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Okay, great. And you can really get a good idea. So yeah, it wasn't big at all. It was like 30 grand that we made on the back end. We're making 600 a month cash flow and we got $8,000 down from them. That's fantastic. I mean, so yeah. how many months did you rent it out? Uh, originally it was for 24 months and it went almost another year. So it was between two and a half and, and three. Well, if you look at the numbers then. So you made 800 net cash flow a month. Is that right? Uh, no, five, 550 or 600 is what we made. Let's just say 500 mm -hmm. times 24 months. So you made 12 grand in cash flow, plus you made 30 on the back end. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Plus 30 on the back end. And then now, eight grand front, but you which gave, they didn't you, buy on time, so we didn't credit it back to them. You just you didn't credit back to them. I I did it, you know. And you know what? If had they bought it right away, they extended it twice. So I think we were we were going like a year and a half is what we thought they were going to do, and then ended up being almost another year. So we had the contracts revised twice in there, um, and each time I think I think I charged them a thousand dollars to renew it or extend it. Okay, so you got you got the eight grand that you did not credit back to them when they bought the house at the end. So you mm -hmm. made a close to fifty grand. Yeah. On that deal. That's really good. And you know what's super cool too? So you, you hear that and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you know, it sounds like we're making a ton of money and how about these people? The cool thing, these guys had um, a, a large family, uh, four kids, I believe, and they ran a daycare and they were living in this tiny little townhouse. So they were in a little two bed, two bath townhouse paying $13.50 a month rent. And we actually dropped the rent to $11.50. So, you know, I tell people that I can say, hey, I know I could have got $1,350. I probably could have got fourteen or $1,500 because I know they're already paying it. But again, I'm like, you know what? We don't need that. We don't, we're not greedy. We're just trying to yeah. do something that's fair, that's equitable, that makes sense. We looked at market rents. I'm like, guys, we can actually drop your rent down and give you a four bed, uh, two bath house and almost double your square footage. And I mean, so it worked out really good. They still got a good deal. So they got a good rent mm -hmm. and they got, they paid market fair market price for the house mm -hmm. you didn't yeah, and, when, and, when, and when they bought it it actually appraised higher than what they were buying it for nice so On the appraisal. and that's huge for somebody you know who maybe has bruised credit because we know good things happen to bad people and, exactly. and you're looking for people who have um a good reason for bad credit but the um this these are there's a lot of people out there who have rough credit and they need to find a place to live but they don't want to have to move into a house for a year or two that they're renting that they don't have really any ownership in and then get their credit fixed where they can get a mortgage and then move again when they can get a mortgage. It just is not what they want to do, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people have job loss. They have medical bills, maybe divorce. Something happened in the past where they, they, had to, they, they lost a house to foreclosure or short sale or something like that. But they make good income. They can afford the house. They want to buy again. Does does when they were getting their financing, Jesse? Did the fact that they you could show rental history um, help with getting them with them getting a mortgage? 
It did. Well, you, number one, you have to show that. Right. So, you know, the, the, the system, the whole, you know, premise of the lease option is it's very simple, really. You know, you don't want to overcomplicate it. But at the same point, there are things you want to look for, you know, and I think that's why it's huge to have um, a good mortgage uh, guy or, or gal on your team, because it's how you do things. And I'll tell you, in, in the industry today, I, there are so many trapdoors and pitfalls. I mean, for people who don't have issues, you know, um, I mean, I could go on for 10 minutes about all the things you have to look for and you have to do, whether it's a large deposit in your account and, you know, prove this and verify that and prove all your rent checks. So, you know, you want to make sure all that stuff, everything is a paper trail. You need a paper trail. Right. Um, you know, that's why we use a title company. We use a title company and we don't need to, you know, I tell people, Hey, we can meet at, uh, Starbucks or a McDonald's here and sign this and it's it's a it's a legal contract but I like to do it as clean and tight as we can so when we go to get the financing you know that lender that bank is going to see we did it through a title company and yeah. we'll just use the title company again to do the title work so the title company loves it you know and they charge us but not much at all because uh, they know they're going to get that business in a year or two or three so they're also ask, acting as like the escrow company where the tenant buyer, when they're putting down their option deposit money, make mm-hmm. it out to the title company, right? They do. Yep. Why, why is that important? Well, it's important because when they go to see the, you know, when they get the financing and they go look at the paperwork and whatnot, and it, it'll, it's still sometimes explaining kind of, you know, the assigning of the contracts and whatnot, um, unless you truly stay in the middle, which we do that on some of our deals too. Yeah. But, you know, they're going to say, okay, well, who's Home Solutions Group? Um, because I see that you're buying it from the seller, you know, John Anderson. Mm-hmm. So if they see all these checks going to Home Solutions Group, it's going to raise a red flag. You know, again, even though everything's completely legit and above board and makes sense, but, you know, they just need it easy breezy when they're looking at it. Right. So let's see that it's all going through the, through the title company and it's all escrowed that way. So and then, you know, the, payments, the payments go directly from the um, tenant buyers to the sellers, to the owners. Okay. Uh, so, so you we, don't. You don't have a third party involved with that? Not for not for monthly payments. I do for the option deposit, but not for monthly payments. Okay. I actually recommend to people to use a third party because in that review, one of the, the, the reviews that I just read, mm-hmm. I get this a lot. The question is, well, what if the seller stops making the payments to the bank or stops paying the mortgage? Um, or what if – you know, because the the worst thing you want you want to see happen is the tenant buyer has been paying this rent every month, and then ten months later the bank posts a foreclosure notice on the door because the mortgage underlying mortgage hasn't been paid. Yeah, so absolutely. We, we actually our escrow company will actually withdraw the rents from the tenant buyer's account every month and pay the mortgage uh, directly. And when they do that, they also are making sure that the mortgage is current before the tenant buyer moves in, but they will um, collect the rent from the tenant buyer, pay the mortgage company, and then send whatever's left either, you know, to whoever's supposed to get it, the investor or the seller or whatever. Um, And that also just kind of helps make it more professional because you're right. You could close these deals at, at a coffee shop. In fact, one time I had a deal fall through because I, was um, I had a house that I was advertising as a lease option. I had a tenant buyer who was who had ten grand to put down in the house, and I met them at a Starbucks because I you know I work from Starbucks. It's one of my offices. <laughs> yeah, that's right? a big deal. They know me at about thirty five of the locations around here. <laughs> right, and I they, I walk in, I meet them, and they're like, "Why are we here? Why don't we meet at your office?" I said, "Well, my office is in my house," and uh, well, so you don't have a real office. I said, well. Yeah, my real office is in my house. And I didn't bring any business cards with me. And I said, you don't have any business cards either? I said, no. (laughs) And they said, can I take your money and get you a latte though? (laughs) Yeah. They didn't feel comfortable about it at all. And they walked that way. They walked out. And, uh, you know, I can understand. I I didn't want to push them into anything. and and, Mm -hmm. But like that was a deal I just lost because I didn't have the appearance of being more professional. Um, but anyway, I, I did find somebody else for it and I started using my realtor's office to, to meet clients after that. And now I do have my own professional quote unquote office where I could meet people if I had to, but um, yeah. sometimes that stuff is important, right? So, um, when you have, 
I, I love the fact that you are using a title company to close these lease option deals. That's really important. Well, we, we have them too, Joe. We have them running a, a title work on it as well. So it's not an insured title position like you do with a mortgage. Yeah. Where they're actually insuring it. But what they do run is, you know, up to the day we're closing, you know what's on the property, which is huge. Yeah. Uh, you you know, want to make sure the, the property's not over encumbered. Absolutely. So so we know the day they moved in that we did everything we could in our part to take care of it. And so and we're paying for that. And then they're notarizing everything too. So the buyer in the buyer's mind, man, they they're like, hey, this is official. Like I bought this house today. Mm. You know, if if you didn't go all those lengths, you know, they still like, oh, this is cool. This is our house. But I mean, I think that really cements the idea in their head that hey, this is this is official as of today. So those of you that don't know, and I maybe should have clarified this at the beginning, what is a lease option? It's simply leasing a property out for a couple of years with a contract or an option to buy it in the future at a certain predetermined price. That's all it is. And it's a great way to sell properties. Um, if Instead of renting it, I always recommend doing a lease option. But um, what Jesse, why do you choose to sell on lease options and not on a contract for deed or not some kind of wrap mortgage. Why would I sell it that way? Yeah. Why do you prefer lease options over wraps, let's say, or, or selling a house contract for deed? Well, if I'm going to sell a property that way, you know, not like it's a big difference and it's a big deal, but in the event you need to get someone out, it's a little faster. And I think it's a little more economical. So the eviction process is much easier than the foreclosure process. Yeah. Now, every state's different, so certainly I can't answer, you know, nor can we probably answer that for every state, but um, so you'd want to check with a local attorney and a local real estate attorney at that. But, um, but you know, it's nice, it's nice that way, and they don't have really, you know, can't be misconstrued as equitable title. Um, so, yeah. but, but sometimes we will, you know, if someone's going to put more money down. I'll tell you what we've really been liking lately is, is buying on a contract for deed and then selling the lease option. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're buying it subject to or you're buying it with owner financing, right? Owner financing, and we're giving them a chunk most of the time, yeah. 5 k maybe 15 k But you, we're recouping all of it or almost all of it as soon as we get that buyer put in there. Interesting. And you're taking it over subject – I mean, um, are you taking over the existing mortgage or do these properties don't have a mortgage? Um, one of them doesn't and one of them does that we just did here in the last couple of months. So I'd say more often than not, they do. And again, we have our contracts, you know, like you said too, with the escrow company, um, you know, I've talked to a couple of our title companies in the area too, and they all think that's awesome and they want to set it up, but you know, they're more in the idea stage right now versus doing it. So should probably talk more about that later, but, um, but we have our contracts that, you know, at any point in time period, our buyers, our tenant buyers, whether that's us or it's, you know, someone that we're, you know, wholesaling it to, can ask the seller for proof of the mortgage being paid. So, you know, if you ask the seller, can you show me last month's statement, they're not going to do it. I mean, that's a violation right there. Yeah. But, but hey, but I, I agree though. I think what you're doing and are you using Avalon for that, Joe? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And they, they charge per month, right? But it's not too bad. Yeah. They charge per month. There's cheaper services out there. Um, if you just go to Google uh, escrow payment services or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's several companies I know that people use that's cheaper. You know, a lot of t- some title companies will do it. Just if you just ask around or you Google some services. I'm trying to think of some that I've looked at before. There's one company out of Washington I think called Evergreen something, and there's another one called Specialized Loan Payment Services. <laughs> I forget. But you can just Google it, ask around, do some RIA groups, and you'll find. But I think it's important to have that escrow company. I like mm-hmm. the idea that you're doing, so, you know, you're doing a quick title search on the property to make sure it's not over encumbered, because mm-hmm. that would kind of stink, you know, if twelve months later the guy is ready to get a mortgage, and then you find out there's a, you know, fifty thousand dollar lien on the property, and the guy couldn't buy it even if he wanted to. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's all you're all about disclosure. I'm sure you have the. I hope you do. We'll see here in a minute. <laughs> you have the, the seller fill out a, a seller's disclosure statement. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And uh, one of the things that I do too is I I don't I, – I require it, but there's nothing I can do um, if they don't. But I do require that the tenant buyer get an inspection done on the property because you don't want them to move in and then realize that, oh, there's a bunch of stuff wrong here. 
and then they have to move out. They say it'll, if, you know, maybe in 18 months when the contract is up, they say, hey, I'm not going to buy this house because you didn't tell me that this and this and this was wrong with it or whatever. Well, a great way to avoid that is, again, do the seller's disclosures and also require that they get an inspection before they move in or sign away their rights to get one. So they at least initial and acknowledge that they need one. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we do um, in, in ours is we basically say, you know, are you going to get an inspection? Yes or no. And it's right there in the option contract that right. they are. And and then we give them the same, you know, rules and and abilities you would kind of in a normal sale, you know, five days to do it and then three days to, you know, argue or counter negotiate whatever they find. And then, you know, then we decide just like in a normal purchase transaction. Uh, but yeah, if they say, no, I'm good to go, then, you know, you didn't want one and you signed right. it. So. So when it comes to buying properties, if I'm right, you're the the ones that have equity and maybe some monthly spread difference between what the payment to the seller or the bank is and what you could rent it out for. You're mm-hmm. going to probably buy those subject to or contract for deed, right? Because that's something sure. you want to keep for your long-term portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or even just something, you know, in the middle for uh, a couple of years. You know? Yeah. Okay. Now let's talk about what are some of the benefits of lease options for sellers? Why would a seller want to do a lease option, Jesse? Well, the beautiful thing when you're talking to a seller and you're talking about a lease option, it's key to really remind them, you know, in a, in a professional, polite way, the position they're in, right? You know, and, and when I'm talking with our, our team and our VAs and, you know, that everyone we're working with, really, there's only a few things that you need to find out right away. Do people have equity or do they not? Are they motivated or are they not, right? You've kind of got two paths and then they each fork out into another path. So if you don't have much for equity, you know, they know. And when you're talking to them saying, you know, you owe $100,000 is worth 105, but you got to pay an agent and you got to do this and that and maybe fix it up and pay the closing costs. So now you're coming to the table with money. That's your position. So that's that's an option. It's not a great option, but it's an option. The other option you have is to stay stay put in your house and not move, even though you really need to move because you want a bigger house for your family, or you have a job, or you know whatever the reason is you want to move or or have to move. So, but you stay put and just be miserable, or you let the house go. I mean, that's it. You got really three options. Oh wait, but there's also our option with this uh, selling an lease option number four. Right. Especially if you're talking to someone who's ready to let it go anyways. And I just had one of those calls yesterday. I'm like, man, if you're already at the point you're just going to let it go and trash your credit for years, which is going to cost you thousands of dollars because of what it's going to do to your credit, why not give this a shot? You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Mm-hmm. So it's really painting, you know, here's what the options you have. Um, you know, and I think the fact that it's a, it's, it's a free service, right? They're not paying for it. I say, hey, look, if this doesn't happen, you know, you're not in a, a worse position than you're in, in our uh, in it now. In fact, you're in the same spot, but at least we tried it, you know, and if it does work like it does for, you know, most of our properties, you're going to be super happy. Yeah. You know, I present it sometimes as the least worst alternative because uh, obviously, right, everybody would love to sell their house, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I love asking the question to sellers sometimes, look. What are you going to do if you can't sell this house? Have you thought about that? Because I can guarantee you the realtors aren't asking their clients that question, right? Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Seller, what are you going to do if you can't sell this house? Are you going to rent it out? And that a lot of times, too, will tell you their motivation. They'll say sometimes, well, no, I'm just going to stay here until I do sell it. Well, they're probably not motivated. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing much you know, you're going to do for them. But Say, so, yeah, you know, I don't know, man. I don't want to rent it. I don't want to be a landlord. I'm moving to Florida. I'm worried about renting a property that, you know, that far away. Um, well, that's when you can say there, there might be a better option for you. And again, I am not selling anything. I don't, I don't like when I'm talking to sellers and I hear people do this, trying to sell them into a program. Mm-hmm. Say, look, this might be for you. It might not. But what if you could rent it to somebody who wants to buy it? who will take better care of the property, maybe even fix it up, have a better interest in the property and take better care of it. Um, so there's, once you explain it, um, I, I even pull away some and I say, look, this may be not for you. It's probably not for you. 
Sometimes I'll even say that. Mm-hmm. But this is what uh, these are some of the advantages for lease option. Now, if we could do this for you, what would you want to do then? Right. So anyway, uh, talk about some of the benefits to buyers, Jesse. You work with a ton of buyers in the mortgage industry. Why would a lease option be a good option for them? Sure. Well, I, I mean, again, let's look at the the first one that we ever did. You know, maybe say we got lucky on that, but um, it was a perfect scenario. I mean, you know, it's almost something that should be. Well, they, it is one of my testimonials on the site, but I should almost go into more depth on it, right? Yeah. These people were paying thirteen fifty a month rent every month in a, in a smaller house, in a townhouse, right? You have no control. You've got all these rules, stuff you can't do. And we actually dropped their payment, $200 a month. We gave them a bigger home, and a single family home versus a townhouse. And they had the two years instead of sitting going, oh, I wish the landlord would fix this up. Or gosh, I wish the landlord would paint this room or upgrade the appliances. They got to do that themselves in their own house. And, you know, we basically gave them, you know, three years of their life back to do that, you know, and, and gave them that opportunity. And when they bought it, they all of a sudden had equity. Now you can't sell, you're going to have equity because again, no one has a crystal ball and, and we don't do that. But the probability and the possibility of it is certainly there. You know what you're going to get when you rent for two years, you're going to get 24 months of someone else getting, you know, rich off your dime. Yeah. So I, I kind of just, you know, make it real simple and put my hands on and say, look, on one hand, you've got this option. You're kind of going backwards every month. And this option, you're moving ahead, you know, with the rent to own. Now, I, let's, let's say you don't even go ahead. Let's say it doesn't appreciate, but at least your dollar every month is going to something that's staying flat. I'd still rather stay flat than go backwards. Doesn't that make sense? And they'll say, yeah, that makes sense. Great. Good. Talk about um, rent credits. You've got a this whole thing with Dodd Frank. Mm-hmm. A lot of people concerned about owner financing in particular. Lease options still somehow get thrown into it, just because nobody really knows. Yeah. Um, but exactly. you know, talk about when you do you offer rent credits? Are they big, small? What? How do you do that? Yeah, uh, we do, and we really correlate that with the size of the property. Okay. So we've got a couple of bigger homes and, you know, 700 to 900,000. And, uh, you know, they're not flying off the shelf the way we like them to, of course. That's that's the average person. But, hey, we, we figure we'll give it a shot. Um, you know, so that's going to be five, six, seven hundred dollar a month rent credits on something like that. Whereas if it's a hundred thousand dollar property, you know, we're talking a hundred to 200 a month. Um, but the way we position it is really it's, it's seller paid closing costs. Exactly. I'm glad and that's the way you want to get it through. Mm hmm. They're just seller concessions. Well, because it because if you really don't go that way as a seller concession, now you've got to prove your market rent. Mm-hmm. And what's the market rent? And are you above the market rent? And are they paying above the market rent and how much? You know, and if you're not paying above market rent or it's below market rent, that's gonna possibly get thrown out um, when it comes time to get that loan. But if you say, hey, we're gonna give you seller concessions, now you need to know what those rules are, which is again the importance of having a good uh, mortgage, you know, professional who knows what those concess- uh, concessions are, you know, and there are different amounts for different loan to values. And for, you know, if you're doing FHA, which, you know, 90% of the time you are, or you're doing a conventional loan, you know, you can't, you can't give back 12% seller concessions on a property. It just right. doesn't, it won't fly, but 3% or, you know, up to 6% sometimes you're fine. Yeah. So you're, you're giving the rent credits not towards their down payment. Nope, just towards closing costs. Towards their closing costs. Yep. So the option deposit goes towards the down payment, and that's the only thing that goes towards the down payment. All right. So some deals you'll stay in the middle of, and some deals you'll wholesale. And what we mean by that is you get a seller who agrees to do a lease option. You get it under contract for a certain price and for a certain rent. And when you, by the time you get into that contract, you may stay in the middle. You may not. You just don't know. It depends on the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. So – what what makes you decide that you're going to sell that contract or assign that contract to someone else? Well, you know, we look at what, what it rents for. We look at what they need. And if right off the bat, which, you know, a couple I just picked up in the last few days um, are, you know, they need 2100 a month. And that's basically what it rents for. Um, there's not a lot of spread in there, you know, and they're in an area that, yes, in a few years, it might appreciate that it might be a decent amount but they're right kind of at the top. That's one that I just want to wholesale. 
I don't want to hold on to it. I just want to wholesale that out. That's right. So who are you going to wholesale that contract to? So I'm going to wholesale that to, you know, first off, we look at our list of our buyers that we've accumulated. Um, you know, and the beautiful thing is once you get these systems working and you get the wheels turning, you know, every week we're adding buyers to our list. I mean, you know, almost almost daily we have new people coming on, which is awesome. Right. You know, and then some are some are good and some are not, but you know, it's a matter of filtering and adding. So we'll go to that list first and we'll say, okay, great. Who wants to be in this part of town? Who's got, you know, this much money for deposit, wants a four bed, four bath, and can afford twenty one hundred a month. And if there's no one on that list that fits that exact piece, then we start to market it. So you're wholesaling the contract to a tenant buyer? To a tenant buyer. Yep. Okay. And we're going to a tenant buyer who is someone on our list or someone that was maybe referred to us, uh, maybe by another you know, mortgage lender, uh, maybe by an agent or someone who just uh, you know, comes to us from our marketing systems and says, hey, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to get into a house. I can't and I'm sick of renting. Uh, but yes, I do have some money down. I've got some skin in the game and we see if all the puzzle pieces fit together. Now, how do you get paid on a wholesale deal like that? So on a wholesale deal like that, we are retaining the option deposit from the buyers as our assignment fee to the okay. sellers. Okay. And then how, how does that money get to you? So they'll pay the money to the title company. It goes directly to the title company and the title company will then cut us a check when we do the quote unquote closing, which is really signing the lease agreements and the seller agreements, and then the option paperwork. And the assignments. Sign it, and it's done. Right. So can you explain the paperwork then on a wholesaling deal? And and by the way, I know the answers. (laughs) Everybody's wondering. Yeah, I know the answers to this, but I'm glad to hear this. I I like how – I like you guys hearing this from Jesse's mouth instead (laughs) of mine. Instead of the the author's mouth, right? Right. Yeah. Okay, so how do you – how does the contracts work? Can you kind of walk through an example deal from beginning to end with in, in regards to the paperwork? Sure, sure. So first off, we're getting our paperwork done with the seller uh, that says, you know, I would like to, this is what I need for my house. So they're telling you their net. Okay. And that's always a conversation because they always put down a bigger number and you're like, no, 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 no. You're not paying us a commission. You don't need to inflate this number, right? right to pay six, 7% or 5%. And I need to know what you need to walk away with. And they're telling you their mortgage balance. So it's like, hey, if you need 150, we're going to get you 150, but don't you know go for 180 necessarily because that's why we're talking. You can't get it. So we're going to get you what you need to get. And if we can get more, fantastic. Uh, what do you need per month to cover the, the mortgage payments and taxes and insurance and everything? And then we you know, make sure that that works. And again, it's, an, it's a matter of numbers, you know. If they got a crazy interest rate and they financed, you know, at a period of time when they they need two thousand dollars a month and the rents on it are thirteen hundred, you know, are you willing to come down? Are you willing to eat a little bit of that every month? So we gotta figure that out first. But once we have that kind of nailed down and they're signing the paperwork, here's what I need for the monthly payments, here's what I need for the mortgage, uh, or for the payoff and the purchase price. Um, then we work with our tenant buyers, we get them in. And really, just advertising to them what those numbers are, and you so know, it, the, the the paper. What's the agreement you sign with the seller? Uh, we're not an agent. We don't represent them. We are going to give them a lease um, and, a, and a you know lease agreement, basically, which is based on the numbers we already discussed, already put down on paper. Yeah, it's going to be that amount or more. Um, and it's not. It doesn't take effect until we we give them that actual lease. And we right. give an actual option contract. Okay. So you have, you're getting the property on under an option contract, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, and then when we are signing the lease with the tenant buyer, we're signing the lease with them and uh, the other disclosures that, you know, lets them know again that, hey, it's not contingent on financing and, you know, this is the period you need to buy it in. You know, it's very, very black and white. And when I tell people, you know, a mortgage these days, heck, can be 70 to 100 pages on the, on the small side to a couple hundred pages. I mean, it's ridiculous. So I, I tell people, hey, I'll bring the ice pack and uh, you bring the pen. It's nuts. So these agreements are very simple. And I tell, I tell our both parties that this is very straightforward. You know, the seller's agreeing to pay the mortgage every month, take care of the property um, uh, beyond anything what the tenant buyer is going to do. 
which we typically have like a thousand dollar amount in there, right? So anything under anything under a grand and a 30 day period, our tenant buyers are going to take care of. So they're going to fix it. They're going to replace it, repair it because it's, you know, essentially their house. But if it's anything over a thousand dollars, then the owner is going to take care of that. And whether that owner is us or we assigned it back to the actual sellers. Right. So you sign an agreement to lease option the property with the uh, tenant buyers, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, are you signing that agreement as the property manager or as the uh, landlord? Yeah, we're signing it as the landlord. Okay. And then we sign another uh, paper basically that says, hey, we are assigning this and all of our interests back to the uh, titled owners uh, of the property. Right. And they will now be your landlord. Um, you know, and all of this really took place in a matter of you know, 30 minutes, right? Yep. But now they're your landlord. And that's who you're going to talk to for everything. So on an assignment deal, you know, we're the landlord for maybe half an hour. Um, I mean, on paper, I guess. I look at it that way. And and you're not representing the seller, so you're not asking the no. seller, "Hey, is this okay? Is this person okay for you?" Um, but you're you're letting them know who you're assigning it to. They're accept, accepting responsibility because you're but because you're not brokering, you are not going back to the the seller in in asking them their permission to assign this contract. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. No, we're, we're not doing that. We're not representing them. We're not, you know, we say, here's who we've got. Um, we're going to take our contracts, you know, to rent your property and to purchase your property. And we're actually going to assign this to a buyer that we're working with. Yeah. And here's the thing about this buyer. And, and let me tell you about the buyer, but yeah, we're not asking permission and, and this is how it's going to be. But we also, at the same point, you know, the seller needs to be comfortable and happy. So they say, well, what's the scoop here and why can't they qualify and tell me about them? And then we're doing the normal background checks, you know, like you would with even a regular uh, tenant, criminal history and eviction checks and employment checks. And then we're doing, you know, on the mortgage side, obviously, we're doing everything you would do for regular mortgage credit approval. So we're looking at income. We're looking at their debts. We do a full mortgage application. You know, we don't say, oh, you... You might need to make $5,000 a month in order to get this property. You only make 2000 but gosh, I hope you get a new job in the next two years. That's something we would never do. So they need right, to be able good. to afford it today. Um, but the big thing is why? You know, when you kind of hit it on the beginning, that's just it. Why? You know, there's, there's reasons people can't qualify and some are good and some are bad. If someone was just late on their car payment last month and they couldn't pay their credit card last month and they've got a collection with, you know, Dish Network from three months ago, that's someone I'm a little scared of. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you've got, you're back on your feet just yet. Um, if you went through a foreclosure that was two and a half years ago or two years ago, and you still need a little more time to technically qualify, well, what caused a foreclosure? I went through a divorce. You know, in 12 years of doing mortgages, divorce screws up a lot of people. Yeah, I don't know how good you are before the divorce. And it's, it's tough. So went through divorce or I had a medical issue. Okay, is that medical issue ongoing? Are you still dealing with that? Oh, no, no. It was an isolated event. You know, gosh, it really hit us with 30000 in medical debt. And we had a, uh, a judgment, but we paid it. And, you know, I can see on their credit bureau, they did pay it. So they're good to go. But they're in this time gap. Right, a bankruptcy, a foreclosure, or a short sale—it's a time suck, and you're in this period of time that you could have all the money in the world and you could have a phenomenal credit score, but if you're in that time window—three years, four years, two years—depending on the event—you're not going to get a loan. Yeah, and so, that's an easy one to go with because we say, "Hey, you can afford it today. You make the right money. Your your bills are okay. You're on time." Or Maybe a couple of them we just need to pay off in the next year, and you should be able to do that. Um, but you know, June of 2017, that's as fast as you can do it, period. So that's when we're going to you know, put the option through. You're only putting people in the house who can afford the house and who have a realistic chance of getting a mortgage. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, judge, I judge our success by how many people purchase and come through. That's it. That's the only thing I judge our successes by. And you know, then how long do you typically give them? Is it a year or two or six months, 12 months? Are you looking for, I mean, do you take somebody that you think can get a mortgage within a certain time frame? And what is that? Yep. So again, that's that's the crucial part of this. And I'll tell you what, you know, you know, and I know there's, there's people that don't go that in depth with it. 
they just say, hey, you want to buy it, you want to sell it, you've got some money down, fantastic. And they, they don't really do anything after that day. You know, and I tell our clients, hey, look, the values and everything we do afterwards as well. So we look and say, okay, you know, did you have a bankruptcy or short sale or foreclosure? If you did, then what is the time frame needed? You know, it's, it's absolutely going to be 24 months from that date or 36 months from that date. So if it is, you know, that's the day you have to go by. Uh, if they didn't have a, 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 you know, derogatory event, they call it like that, and they just have maybe a low credit score, then we look at our credit repair company that we use, um, you know, and a couple of them that we, you know, have used and kind of looking at new ones. And we say, okay, hey, guys, what's, what's the chance we can get to score up 60 points? And how, and how long do you think it's going to take? So then we're looking at that. So that might not be, you know, two or three years. That might be 12 months. So we give them enough time that we know they should be able to clear it. And then what we like to do is even extend it after that for another six months. And we give the option for that because we don't want anyone to think we're just, we just want their money for the option deposit. We really want them to get the house. Yeah, that's important. I set it up where they – you the they cannot be kicked out of the house if they can't get a mortgage. That's important. Um, Even so, if it expires before the option, or what? If, what if they have twenty four months and then they don't get the, a mortgage in twenty four months? Then what? The my contract has a clause for them to extend it if they want. Now the price may go up, and they may have to pay an additional mm-hmm. deposit. Mm-hmm. But it does allow them to um, extend it if they're willing to put down an additional deposit. And how about the appraisal? Because that's something that we address too, but I'm curious what you're doing. Um, if the house doesn't appraise, mm-hmm. then the contract automatically gets extended until it will appraise. Okay. So just until it will appraise is yeah. basically your language. Yeah. Okay. And so, But, you know, nobody knows what it's going to do in the future. The prices may fall. The prices may go up. And, you know, it's in California, it's a bigger deal these kinds of issues, these kinds of questions, because sellers are seeing prices go up now. And so they'll question a seller in California may ask, well, why would I want to tie up a property at a certain price? What if it's worth more? And then I also, I'll ask them, I say, well, what if the property is worth less? We need to have at least some kind of bottom line number. What's the least that you'd be willing to take. And then let's look at that. Is it realistic? Mm-hmm. And, um, but sometimes they may still say no, what I've done before sometimes is I'll say, well, look, let's do this. This is your bottom line number, and let's add some language in the option contract that the tenant buyer will get half of the appreciation, or I, the investor, will get half of the appreciation, and you get the other half. So if the option price is 400 but it appraises for 500 mm-hmm. the sale price will actually be 450 somewhere right, you know, right in the middle. Yeah, and, so there's, you just kind of have to be a little creative and think about that. Um, but you do have to have some kind of number on there. Yeah. Well, and I just went through that with, with uh, a seller here this week. And the husband, you know, is all on board and gets it. And the wife just had a lot of questions still. So, like, yeah, but what if it doesn't appraise? And what if this and what if that? Yeah. No. And I, I don't want to have this headache anymore in two years. So, well, if it doesn't appraise in two years, what are you going to do? Well, you can't try to sell it because it won't appraise anyways. Right. So it's not like it doesn't appraise for one person. It doesn't appraise, period, for anybody. So you've got a property back in your hands in two years, no matter what. So who do you want to have in there? You have to go get a brand new renter who's just a regular renter? Or do you want the guy who's been in there for two years taking awesome care of it, treating it like his own, giving you better rent because of it, um, and he still wants it and you still want him to have it? You're in the same boat. Just give him more time. Just more time, absolutely. And it works for, for everybody. Yeah, so you know, it's um, you you definitely want to create it as a win-win-win for everybody involved. I want to ask you a couple more questions, Jesse. What have you looked at Dodd Frank? Um, do you feel like that applies to lease options? Uh, I feel like there's a lot of people that says uh, that say it does, and and that people will think it does. Um, it's it's a lease. A lease is a lease. It's two different agreements. You know, at least that's that's how I do mine. I think that's how you do yours, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not one thing tied together. So it's strictly a lease. And then you also have the option to purchase. Um, so no, I don't, I don't, in my opinion, from what I've seen and heard, think that falls under Dodd-Frank. Um, it's not seller financing. But we're not attorneys. We don't pretend to be one. We don't play an attorney's 
absolutely uh, TV. Yeah. So, so get, what I've been told and what I've read and heard, that's yeah. my opinion. Uh, but yeah, certainly you absolutely want to talk to uh, a real estate attorney and a local attorney in, in your area because it is it's very different, you know, state by state. Right. Or it can be. But still, the, the, the rule, even when Dodd-Frank came, it didn't change anything that we're doing. I mean, we're only putting people into the homes that we know have a realistic chance of getting a mortgage in one or two years. And we're not setting up somebody into a lease option just because they have enough money down. We want to make sure that they have the income that they, once they fix their credit, mm-hmm. they have the income where they could get a mortgage. Mm-hmm. That's, that's important. And we're also making sure, you know, they don't have, you know, $50,000 of unpaid child support or alimony or unpaid tax liens and stuff like that, that have to be paid before they get a mortgage. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up too, because when we talk about, you know, when I'm putting my mortgage hat on and looking at somebody saying, you know, yay or nay, and is this realistic or not? Um, any liens or judgments, just everyone listening out there, they have to be paid 100%. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you could have an 800 credit score and have, you know, super low debt to income ratios. You could make a ton of money every month and have no debt. But if you've got a $10,000 lien or judgment, it's got to get paid. And unless they say, oh, yeah, I've got 15000 in my account and here's my statement to prove it, I'm going to go pay it, then, you know, the onus is a little bit on them to do it because they said they would and they proved they could do it. But if you don't think that's going to happen, you know, you got to say, I'm sorry, but that that has to get done. Right. And, one thing, and one thing that um, I've done, and I've kind of done it more just file by file, but what I'm doing right now is actually just creating a standard standardized form that we're going to use, which is our mortgage pre-pre-approval. And really, it's just saying, okay, today you don't qualify. Why? And here's why we think you should. And by no means, you know, it's based on today's rules, today's guidelines, which, you know, my little asterisk says, you know, can change at any point because it can. You know, I certainly don't control it. Um, but, you know, here's why we think you should based on the events. Um, and here's what should change. So if somebody comes back and says, you are setting these people up, we can say, absolutely not. Here's the rules and the guidelines of why they should be good to go. Now, if somebody goes out and buys a new speedboat and all of a sudden they can't afford the house anymore, you know, that's unfortunate. But when we tell them up front, you know, we're going to continue to work with you and talk to you, you know, throughout the, the option term next year, two years or three years and uh, do not incur any more debt and things change. You let you know our mortgage team know whether it's us helping with the financing or one of our other mortgage referral partners. Right. And uh I, I like the fact that you're getting that in writing too at the beginning. Yeah, yep. So they know what yeah, they need I've to had do. People say, "I know, I, I know, I need to pay this and this and this, and I will pay this off in the next three years." I understand that is going to hinge on us getting. I've had them write that out. Uh, you know, and we'll have in our file values and comps, right? So if somebody says, "You know, how the heck did you think this house is worth this?" Well, here's why. Here's the comps that that support that. So at the end of the day, you know, you've said this many times, and it's so true. As long as you're doing the right thing, you know, it's important to know the details, but as long as you're doing the right thing and, and being able to prove it, I think you're, you're good. Everybody can see that. Yeah. And we've had people that have been screwed over, unfortunately. I had two this year that were screwed over. And really? I said, well, you know, tell me what happened. And I said, okay, well, you know, they didn't do this. You didn't do this. They didn't do this. Here's all the things that should have been in the paperwork and should have been there. Guess what? That's how we do it. We want to do it the right way. And, um, you know, and a lot of that is just integrity. Right. Well, Jesse, um, I got two questions for you on how can someone find a mortgage broker like you in their market if they want to do lease options? And number two, do you work with people yourself in your mortgage business with other investors doing lease options around the country? Uh, Yes. So, you know, I would be, absolutely happy to help anyone else who has questions on it, um, you know, and, and myself or someone on our team, uh, because, you know, it's kind of like working with uh, an investor-friendly realtor, right? There's investor-friendly yeah. realtors and investor-friendly, uh, you know, loan officers and mortgage consultants that kind of get it and want to, you know, need to know what you're doing and how you're doing it. Um, but so I would be definitely happy to work with anyone and help them out with that and steer them in the right direction. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of other wholesalers that we're working with right now, I really find, you know, yeah, they, they know wholesaling, just straight, regular wholesaling inside and out, and they can move deals quick. 
But when it comes to a lease option play, they're not sure what to do. And a lot of objections they get, they don't know how to get around. And, you know, that's really our specialty of what we've been doing for the last three years. So we're on the flip side of that. So if anyone's in that position, again, we're, we're helping our local um, kind of uh, other wholesalers here in the market. You know, we're helping do that. And then we're giving them so- solid leads to do just the regular wholesale. Say, like, great, you go do this and move this and awesome, we'll share it. But then all on the flip side, you can't move it because they don't have equity. And you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. They'll take care of that and help you. So, but yes. otherwise, you know, as far as, as far as if you're going to talk to someone in your local market, you know, I, I would work with someone who doesn't have to be a broker. Um, I'm not necessarily a mortgage broker in the fact that we work with banks that are under our control and our money and our decisions. And then we, we, we kind of do both, but essentially I've got 40 different places I can go. Right. So it's not, you know, I go to Wells Fargo or a U.S. bank or, you know, um, uh, Bank of America. I'm just, you know, naming names. Right. Yeah. They, they might say, no, I can't do it. Sorry. And it's a, it's a denial. Well, they don't have a lot of other options because they make the call. With my company, I can say, oh, Chase won't do it, but I'll go to this company. I'll go to this company. I'll go to this company. So you want to find a, a guy or girl who works in an institution. They have lots of different options. They can go lower credit scores. Somebody who understands FHA is huge. Some places don't even do FHA. Now, most most do, but not all of them, because that's going to be your best chance of financing for most of uh, the tenant buyers that you're going to work with. Well, it's also important that you're presenting these lease options in the right way to the banks, right? Yes. Yeah. Like that, that's when it comes down to paperwork mm-hmm. and the paper trail. Now, how are they getting the money? You know, um, you want to be able to, to do that, to, to prove it. One other question I had, you know, when I, when I was first getting started back in, you know, when financing was easy, mm-hmm. um, it used to be easier to get financing from a lease option because you could kind of do it as a refinance, um, which refinancing doesn't have as many requirements. Is that true anymore? Do you see that ever coming back? Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. Um, I'm not seeing that with the lease options. Now, again, certain banks and lenders will look at it differently. So I'm not going to rule that out. But, you know, if that's what you really want to go for, you, I mean, you'd probably want to buy it on a contract for deed. Because if you buy it on a contract for deed, then you have equitable title. And then you need a 12-month history from the time you buy it. Sometimes six months, but most of the time, 12. So once you've been in there for that 12 months or maybe six-month time from the date the contract was signed, then, yeah, then it's looked at as a refinance. And you can go off of the value of the home at that time, which is huge, right? We, we got a property that the owner wanted to sell um, lease option for about $150,000. It's worth probably one seventy dollars to $190,000, depending on the comps. And all of a sudden, he came down to 110. So I said, you know what? Instead of assigning this and wholesaling this, we're just going to buy it. So he only wanted 10 grand down. We gave him 10 grand down, contract for deed, boom. So as long as we're in there for 12 months, when we go get it appraised, as long as it's still around that 170, 190 mark or higher, we just got a ton of equity. And if it's an investment property and you need 20% equity into that property, guess what? No, we have it. But if it's a if it's a lease option, you're still purchasing it. So you need to come to the table with 20%. Now that's for an investment property, obviously. Yeah. Right. You're gonna live there, you only need three and a half percent down with FHA. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so the contract for D is the way you want to go if um you're gonna try to do a refinance out of it and it's maybe your property. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Well, Jesse, thank you very much for your time. If people want to get a hold of you. Is it okay to give them your email address? Yes, absolutely. So it's jesse at homesolutionsgroup.net. Yep. You, can you go ahead and spell all that out, Jesse? Yeah. J-E-S-S-E at home, H-O-M-E, solutions, S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S, home solutions group, G-R-O-U-P, dot net. Cool. Good. And you can also give us a call too at 612-326-0345. I'll say it again slowly, 612-326-0345. And uh, yeah, I'd be, you know, we've been doing it for a while now and we've 
again, you know, gotten these deals through, which is awesome. You know, yeah, that's nice. um, and go all the way through as you have, which is, you know, just gives you that much more confidence. You're doing the right stuff, which is cool. Can I ask you how many deals are you doing on average a month? What's a good month? What's a bad month for you? Uh, bad months, probably one or two. Um, and then a good month's been, you know, five or six. Awesome. So, you know, we, we're not where we want to be with it, which would probably be double that. <clears throat> but we're also doing some traditional wholesaling. And then I'm still doing mortgages full time. So that's, that's still fantastic. That's really good. You should pat yourself <laughs> on the back. Oh, thanks. Thanks. It's uh, because of you, man. So thank you for everything. You, I mean, just got an awesome, you know, an awesome way to make money. I think I told, told you on one of our other calls that, you know, I, I watch Shark Tank and I think it's hilarious, right? You got all these people who <laughs> yeah. are dumping all this money <clears throat> yeah. into this idea. And, you know, the money that you can put into, you know, uh, a real estate course, which is education. And what you can get out of it is just insane as long as you just kind of follow the steps and, and do what you got to do, you know? Well, you're absolutely right. And, and, and a lot of people will spend like $15,000 to go to trucking school Yeah. to, I'm not knocking truckers, but, um, you know, people will spend a lot of money to go get educated, to get some kind of degree or technical degree that will pay them 30, 40 grand a month. Let's just look at the numbers here. Okay. 30, let's say $35,000 a year. I meant to say before 35,000 a year. That's about three grand a month. Now, how easy or, I mean, so I know some people, again, maybe just getting started and think, man, that's amazing. I'd love to make three grand a month. But that is so easy to do. I mean, we could, I'm not trying to brag here, but we could probably do that in our sleep. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> just think about, you know, all these, I, I, I know what you're going because um, you, you see these people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars of their own savings and investments into these businesses mm-hmm. where they're, they're only, they're barely eking out in existence and, and they have to be stuck in a, um, a little uh, outlet or strip mall uh, working 60, 70 hours a week in some kind of franchise to, to make 40, 50 grand a year. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, no, it's, you know, you get to the point and, you know, again, it's just your business, right? And absolutely, if you're just starting out, you know, and three grand a month is, is you know, big, that's awesome. Why not do that in a week versus a month? Exactly. You know? And why not have a team helping you do that in a week versus a month? But you get to the point where, you know, I've got people say, oh, I've got, you know, this much down or this much down. And I mean, it's got to make sense. And, you know, you get to the point where, you know, I, I, if it's not going to be about $5,000 or more, it's hard to grab our attention, you know? Yeah. Just because everything needs to make sense and you, you find those other opportunities out there. So it's, um, it's just following this system, you know, and then, you know, it's doing the work. So good, good. Yes. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. (laughs) All right. Good, man. Hey, listen, everybody go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get the show notes and to get the email and phone number. Um, I am going to be doing at the time I'm recording this next week, I'm going to be doing a webinar on wholesaling lease options and on this strategy. And the, and the purpose of me interviewing Jesse was not to promote my webinar or my course, but I'm just letting you know next week ish, I'll be doing a pod. I mean, an interview, a webinar, one of those three things on the wholesaling lease option strategy. Um, I want to do more deals. I want to do more of these deals. And so I'm looking for people to partner with on these lease option flips all over the country. And um, so by the time this podcast comes out, I'll probably have already done that webinar. It'll probably be recorded um, and I'll either be replaying the webinar or I will be doing new ones. So if you go to wholesaling, my main wholesaling lease options website is at wholesalingleaseoptions.com, wholesalingleaseoptions.com. Or I think I'm going to have a link to the webinar at uh, WLOwebinar.com, WLOwebinar.com to get more information on the webinar. Anyway, uh, thanks, Jesse. You've been a great guest. I sure appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Thank you. All right, everybody. See you later.